Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Asia-Pacific markets are trading higher this morning following a surge of buying on Wall Street overnight. Shares in Asia-Pacific jumping. The Nikkei 225 in Japan 2.37% higher. In early trade, the topics gained 1.74%. Uh, Japan's yen plunging to its lowest levels against the US dollar since 1990 overnight before pairing losses. In Australia, S&P ASX 200, let's see, a pop of 1.7%. The Kospi over in South Korea advancing 1.74%. The Kosdaq up 2.53%. Joining me now as we break down all the market action. How's Friday looking and what happened to the thermometer? (laughs) (laughs) I have kept it in my locker for now. It seems a bit warmer warmer today. today. Definitely. Yeah, so... Maybe someone saw my IG story. Whew. 17 degrees yesterday, maybe it's 18 today. Let me take out my winter coat. Now I'm starting to sweat. Corporate earnings season is underway in the United States and we begin this morning with two companies in very different industries in a sense that they're both engaged in transport. Now one transports people and the other transports, one of my favorite things, pizza. And both firms start with the letter D. So do you want to guess the names of our two D companies in focus? I'll give you a minute. Second up, they're Delta and Domino's. Okay, let's start with Delta, Ryan. The U.S. air carrier netted nearly $700 million U.S. million during the third quarter of the year. So how does this compare with expectations? Yeah, it is a great quarter for Delta going by its latest numbers. And this for the third quarter saw Delta reporting net income of $695 million dollars on record revenue. Perhaps no surprise because everyone's trying to travel. So there is that revenge travel thing going on. COVID-19 restrictions across many places and borders have been lifted. So that rebound, perhaps not a big surprise when you look at the numbers for Delta. And Delta is confident enough that this will continue. It has raised its outlook and expects businesses to return to travel international markets to continue to reopen. So demand will continue to be on track for Delta. Indeed, Delta expecting its passenger load to return to pre-pandemic levels by next summer. If that's not far off the mark, if you think about it from where we are now. In the current quarter, Delta expects capacity to reach 92% of pre-COVID levels. Okay, let's turn to pizza, more specifically Domino's Pizza. Before we look at the numbers, what are your favourite toppings, Ryan? (laughs) I used to be a pizza boy. Domino's. Oh, really? So it's a long time ago. Wow. And my favorite would be nothing, just eating the crust. <laughs> <laughs> so that's me. Anyways, Domino's had a pretty good quarter. And also, it's interesting to see this trend playing out. They hiked prices mm. and people still paid for it. So that is seeing, for example, um, the mix and match deal. It used to be $5.99. They are saying they will raise it to $6.99. And they also hiked the price for deals on deliveries earlier and people still paid for deliveries. So it looks like that demand is elastic or inelastic of sorts that people still pay for it. And you have that starting to contribute to Domino's in its latest quarterly earnings. So Domino's thinks, hey, 
they might continue to hike prices to offset some of the uh, drop in volumes and expenses when it comes to wages. So good news for Domino's. Domino's shares jumped nearly 10% on the news in early trade yesterday. It looks like we're off to a great start for earnings season, Ryan. What are you expecting as more companies open their books? We're looking towards bank earnings today, right? Yeah, it's been a good start by and large so far. You've got many companies surprising on the upside people willing to pay more for things like Domino's, air travel, PepsiCo earlier in the week said they hiked prices for their sodas and snacks. People who pay for it. Uh, I think the trend to watch out for is the shift in consumer patterns because we are perhaps seeing consumers starting to shift more towards these type of goods versus the higher margin items. So things like smartphones, laptops, computers, even cars may start to see demand wane as people tighten their purse strings on that bunch of stuff. So your semiconductor stocks and device makers may see more headwinds down the road versus your snack makers. So that's one trend to keep an eye on. In the retail sector, IKEA says it's absorbed more than 1 billion euros in higher transport and supply chain costs over the past two years rather than pass these expenses on to consumers. However, the company reached a breaking point earlier this year when it decided it had no choice but to increase prices. Now, those price hikes helped contribute to some record sales numbers. It grossed nearly 45 billion euros during during the past fiscal year. All right, if we zoom out a little bit, the latest economic stats appear to indicate that the US Federal Reserve has yet to tame inflation over in the US. A closely watched measure of consumer prices there rose more than forecast to a 40-year high in September. Tell us more. Yeah, 40-year high. It looks like the same headline being recycled from last month. So it has beat expectations again. And if you look at the numbers, 8.2%, that's the yearly number. And overall CPI increased on a monthly basis, 0.4%. So that is, by most measures, another solid reading. And that kind of secures another jumbo-sized rate hike in the next FOMC meeting in November. If I look at the Fed Fund's Futures, they are pricing in the odds of 96.6% of that happening in November. That's up from 83% before the CPI numbers. And then in December, they're expecting another jumbo size rate hike. And that is at odds right now of more than 65%. So it looks like expectations are there that the Fed will continue to hike aggressively and pick up the pace almost. If you look at the CPI numbers, pretty much broad base, shelter, food and medical care among the main contributors. And on the flip side, gasoline and used car prices decline. So that is what's playing out when it comes to um, price changes. Higher prices make it increasingly likely that the US Federal Reserve will increase interest rates by another 75 basis points at its next meeting in about two weeks. Based on everything we've been seeing in the markets of late, you'd think that this inflation data would trigger a sell-off in the markets, but just the opposite happened overnight. Wall Street enjoyed its biggest rally of the year. The Dow jumped 2.8%. The S&P 500 wasn't far behind. So what happened? What do you think? Why did markets Markets rally. Yeah, it's a hit scratcher. You've got the Dow at some stage down more than 500 points. End of the day, it was up more than 800 points, a huge swing. And this saw the session start with the CPI numbers weighing on markets. Then, not too, um, not too much um, after that, we had markets start to turn around. So some theories have it that you have people already pricing it 
in to some extent. They saw this coming. We've been mm. talking about it for quite some time. So that's one theory. The other theory is the technical setup for what played out because you had perhaps some people trying to take profits from their put options. So they had to cover their positions and square it off. That involves buying. And maybe that magnitude was enough to encourage more buying. And that leads to more buying and then just keeps going up. And that is perhaps why many people are caught up by surprise that this reaction was not what they expected. So short sellers panicked and started buying. So that's pretty much the story there. I want to bring the conversation back to Singapore now. It's 15 minutes past nine. The property group Goko Land is holding its annual general meeting this morning. It gets going in less than an hour. And one of the big questions that investors may be posing is how can Goko Land unlock more value for its investors? Our colleague Leslie Yi over at the Business Times has a great article out about this, uh, suggesting that Goko Land could spin off its most prominent building, Goko Tower in Tanjung Paga, as a single property REIT. Now, normally when we think about real estate investment trust, Ryan, they have a big portfolio of assets. And in this case, Yi is arguing that Gokoland should create a REIT with just one property. So why is that? Yeah, so if Gokoland wants to unlock value first, it has to read the business times. So <laughs> here is where the writer is saying, you know, conventionally, when a property developer wants to unlock value, they recycle capital by selling the assets, whatever they have, buildings, shopping malls, to REITs. And then use the cash to buy something else to cash out, essentially. Uh, so in this case, you have that option for Gokuland. It, ha- it holds nearly $6 billion worth of investment properties as of the end of June. But the writer has another option on the table for it to consider, which is to put it's Jewel, which is Gokuland or Goku Tower in Tanjong Paga, into a REIT. So a single property into a REIT. And that is expected to bring in a lot of interest because Goku Tower is, if you look at the metrics, a very solid and attractive asset. It has committed occupancy of 100% and it's valued at around $2.68 billion. It's got 87 years outstanding. So all in, if you put it into a REIT, you could get a net property income yield of around 4% and the initial DPU could be around the mid-4% range. So that is quite similar to what other bonds, for example, the five-year green bond offered by Fraser's Property is commanding. So it's saying, no, there is the opportunity for Cocoland to look at another option to cash out or to tap or unlock value from its current assets. Arguing there's a chance of capital gain here. So what do you think of this idea and how could it be received by the markets? It is a very thought-provoking idea because when you think about property, it is, in Singapore at least, a very attractive and popular hedge against inflation. So if you have a very attractive asset, in this case, Google Tower, being put into a REIT, someone in the market, a retail investor like you and me, can get a piece of the action by taking part in the REIT. So it does open up the option to retail investors. And I think that is one of the attractive drivers that will help, I guess, gain um, some of the traction for this REIT. And when you look at how people might think about buying property, typically they just buy outright. So it involves taxes and whatnot. But buying a REIT, you avoid all these um, issues and sometimes headaches, having to find a tenant, having to deal with property agents. So just buying a REIT outright, could be something they might be more comfortable with. So that could be something that could bode well for 
this single property REIT if it does come into fruition. If you look at the numbers, uh, Gokoland's profits more than doubled during the first half of the year. The launch of its Lento Modern project last month was well received as well. Shares of the property company are down about 8% over the past month. Still in the green though by a similar percentage for the year to date. So we'll keep an eye on Gokoland for more clues about its future plans. Time now for corporate news. Let's look at it. Game show style up or down. Ryan, are you ready? Let's go. The Friday edition starts with Taiwan Semiconductor, TSMC. Uh, I'm a bit mixed about this. Um, so I would go mostly with up. So it's off the back of its latest quarterly earnings. It's posted an 80% surge in third quarter net profit, helped by strong sales of its advanced chips and data centers. Um, but as we've talked about, mm-hmm. this industry has been going through plenty of headwinds. There's some reports that it might be cutting back on its outlook. Yeah, so I'm going to go with a down. TSMC is slashing its capital spending by 10%. That's not a good sign for the semiconductor industry. And an indication that the company uh, expects consumer spending on cars, computers and smartphones to drop. So down for TSMC. And if that's correct, a call then for the broader economy as well. Volkswagen. I would be going with an up for Volkswagen. So it's taking a 60% stake in a tech joint venture. It's worth $2 billion. And this is with China's Horizon Robotics. And this will potentially open up, I guess, the market for Volkswagen in China as well as in the software market. So it's going to be exciting times for Volkswagen. Now that Volkswagen has spun off Porsche, yeah, it is looking for new opportunities and it seems to have found one in China where it's investing 2.3 billion US dollars in an autonomous driving project which should give Volkswagen a better foothold in the China EV market. So I'm going to give Volkswagen an up this morning. Let's look at SATs. Um, I'll give down for SATs. So it's got the state investor, Tomasic Holdings, unit. Fullerton Fund Management offloading shares of sets for some $3.5 million. So I'll go down on the basis that it's cashing out. All right. Definitely a down for Sats in my book. Uh, Sats is purchasing a Paris-based company called WFS, Worldwide Flight Services, but Tomasic's disposal of Sats shares is hardly a vote of confidence in the deal. A Tomasic subsidiary has sold off more than 1 million shares of Sats uh, following this move. QNM Dental. Oh, that would be an up for me. So it is seeing CGSCIMB raising its call on QNM mm. to add from hold because it sees the current valuation of the QNM group as attractive. And this follows the news of its subsidiary, Acumen Diagnostics, winning a tender from the Ministry of Health to operate one of the sites allocated for joint testing and vaccination centres. Up for me as well, I think, for the dental firm QNM Dental on the back of that CGS CIMB upgrade for the company on the back of the fact that it thinks that it offers attractive valuations. Let's check in on how stocks are doing this morning. We are 22 minutes into the local trading day. The Straits Times Index extended its losing streak yesterday, closing down for the sixth straight session. It fell 1.4% to 3040, and that is the lowest level in 19 months. So how are the blue chips doing this morning? Any signs yet of buyers stepping back in? Currently trading up 0.87% the STI.
Yeah, pretty green on the screen so far. We have just two counters in the red, and that is seeing Emperor at the bottom, down 1%. Maple Tree Pan Asia Commercial Trust is the other one in the red, down by 0.6%. At the top of the table, we have the likes of Dairy Farm International, up 1.8%. And a couple of stocks, about 10 of them, up by at least 1%, and they include Johnny Messon Holdings, UOB, Capo Corporation, UOL, DBS, and Capital Land. So the banks in the green, and this much follows the trend or what's playing out across the region. Green off the screen as we see them take the cue from Wall Street. Indeed, after that wild whipsaw last night. Thank you very much, Ryan Huang. There, I'm Michelle Martin. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.